Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year 1997 Finale Part 2. I am your host, Greg. I am joined with my best friends, but my number one best friend, most importantly, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. How I still are you? get nervous. Like yep. I think that you might say somebody else, even though I know it's going to be me. And you know, a lot of people, they don't, they're not sure who their best friend is, right? right? But I apportion it out via contest constantly, and right. I think that lets everyone know where they stand. You figured out the secret to life. Yeah. Now, keeping them going in order, Taylor. Yep. That's me. How are you doing, buddy? And Mike, welcome to the show. Last of the first. Ow. Like you seem surprised by that news. You're still, you're still, you're the number three best friend. I think that's pretty good. You're that's the Kramer. That's not I, losing. I guess at least I still won a medal. Yeah, dude, you bronze. My bronze bud. My bronze bro. I like that. Yeah. And of course, I am all of your best friends. There is no question there. We have come to pick the best movie of 1997, gentlemen, and we won't rest until we do. But we are going to take a quick break right now. The world is full of shitheads, and the movies of 97, likewise, are just full of the biggest shitheads. And guys, before we go jabbering about the movies of 97, let us we've all voted on who we think the biggest shithead from 1997 is, and I've got the answer right here, but Ryan, first we're going to go to you with the nominees. Yeah, and I just want to point out that like this award used to be villain- but yeah. villain is easy, like yeah. you know, like Alan Rickman in Die Hard. He's a villain, but shithead is like that guy you just want to punch so hard. And also because we're petty people, and being actually villainous is like we're like that's bad. But then if you are hard to get on with, we're like that's awful. And <laughs> you're such a you're jerk. The worst. <laughs> Die Hard is the best example. Thank you, Ryan, because <laughs> Alan Rickman is the villain, but the, that guy with the beard. Who does like yes, oh, that's, yes, Ellis, yes. that's the shit man. Ellis is the Fuck biggest shithead of any of the movies we've seen. They na- they named a whole shithead island after him. Did they? Yeah, <laughs> that's what you call Ellis Island. Yeah, shithead. Yeah, it's a place where they make everyone change their names and, <laughs> and all the shitheads want to join this shithead country. <laughs> With no further ado, yeah, let's get to <laughs> let's it. Let's get uh, to it. The first nominee is from Titanic. It's Brock Lovett. What a fucking shithead. What a fucking or, shithead. As we discussed on the episode. James Cameron, right? Like yeah. He tried to make himself a character, and this is what came He's out. He's got one goldie ring. We, unfortunately, we have to watch this movie be about how this guy learned to like respect the Titanic. And I have to say, we have gone off on the framing mechanism of this movie so much, but I'm going to do it one more time. Why do we have to watch this dude? Why can't we just see the boat? Would you guys want to watch like an Indiana Jones style? I know he's dead now, rest in peace, but uh, sequel all about Brock Lovett's treasure adventures <laughs> just being a real shithead all around the world <laughs> yeah, every country he goes to they're like just take the treasure and leave please just all around the world treasure <laughs> sinking for me or do you guys think that every movie should have a fictional character based on the director thinking of the idea and then having the movie and then at the end of the movie you have to watch them go I never let it in before. Fuck, dude. <laughs> could like could, I hope this guy fucking wins. Could you imagine if like Schindler's List started with like a, a framing story of Bill Paxton being like, so we're just here to steal some Nazi gold, <laughs> and then like the end is like, oh, I never understood. I never, never. Oh, let Nazis it. are bad. By the way, this guy is the biggest shithead in this movie, which includes someone shooting at people who are trying not to drown and stealing a baby. <laughs> yeah. All right. The, my, the other thing too is that like, all right, I'm gonna write the script. Uh, that person's named Jack. That person named Rose. My character, Brock Lovett. I'll be Brock Lovett. Love it or leave it. That'll be his saying. Your next nominee is from Contact. It's David Drumlin, played by, I believe, Tom Skerritt. Yeah. This, is this guy. 
the most realistic shithead we have ever seen. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. just constantly, when he's alone in a room with Jodie Foster, he's like, I get it, we're on the same team. But the minute anybody else is there, just taking all the fucking credit, knowing she won't. Oh, I hate him so much. There's a shot where they're walking down the hall, like total like West Wing style, like having a conversation while walking. And Tom Skerritt literally steps in front of Jodie Foster <laughs> to say something. And like... This was bad at the time, but in the current context, just seeing him act this way, like, makes you so furious. Most white male shitheads think that, like, all of the people that aren't white male are taking over. Yeah. Like, they have no power anymore. This guy straight up says, like, I know, it's I'm white male, it's just the system. See ya! And then just right yeah, through the spaceship. You know, it's, it's male privilege. Have you heard of that? It's a double standard, and it's helping me out. I changed my vote. This guy. Fuck this guy. Yeah. Your next nominee is from LA Confidential. It's Dick Stensland. Oh, fuck this guy. Fuck this guy. He is the one who, I, I think he is the worst cop that we see in yes. a movie that is ostensibly about only bad cops. Yeah, but like the whole thing is like, uh, protect the blue line. Like, we will not let anybody go down for anything. And then in like when they're talking to the DA, they're like, oh, well, Dick Stensland. Right. Like, get, yeah. put yeah. all the blame on him. He's even, fat. Even for the cops that are basically a gang, Dick Stensland is a problem. Mm. Because it's, it's him like leaving the gang and leaving the police force that makes their whole plan just absolutely fall apart and why they have to murder like two scores. It's because not only is he a bad cop, he's a shitty person to be around. So even other pieces of shit hate yes. him because he doesn't have any redeeming. He's not funny. He's not like a good cut up at least. Like he sucks. Yeah. The only person who the only person who likes him is Bud. But and that's yeah. interesting too is that like Bud White is a good guy, minus a couple of like yeah slaps. But like he is closer to a good guy. But he's also the type of good guy who mm-hmm. will hang out with Dick Stensland. Yeah, you know, like that crosses the Venn diagram. They, when they are, are trying to track down Stensland, but they don't even know it's him. The mom of his girlfriend is like, he was such a <laughs> terrible man, and it's like a major clue that it's Dick Stensland. He was such a shithead, Rosie. He got fresh with me. And then Russell Crowe right away is like, oh, Dick Stensland. It's my partner, Dick Stensland. I'll go crawl around his corpse. Your next nominee is from Princess Mononoke, and it's Akoto, the big boar god. (laughs) Yeah, fuck that big boar god. Yeah, fuck that big boar god. What a shithead. Why are you so big? (laughs) Is that boar god one or boar god two? This is is not the one that dies in the beginning. This is the one, the the, actual god. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that one. He does have a lot of these white male things. Yeah, dude. Because he will not listen to reason. At the end, uh, San is like saying, stop doing this. And he's like, no, I'm a male. I will do whatever. Like, I what, have to get my tusks and everything I see. Like one, one thing he, he does say is like, hey, listen, we're probably going to lose this. Yeah. We're all going to die because yeah. fuck it. That's, <laughs> we're going to fucking rage. We're going to bloody their nose as hard as we can. Just like Patton said. Your final nominee is from Boogie Nights. It's Todd Parker. The hurricane oh, of douchebag that comes in halfway Todd. through the movie. This is a bad list of people it, and boars. I, I think we've got a lot of real shitheads in this list, mm. but Todd is the most, like, if you looked up, like, douchebag in the dictionary, fucking Todd would just pop right out. This is why you don't even do minor crimes with people. Because they all had a plan that was to go do this very minor crime. It was still a terrible idea. But then when you go to do minor crimes with people, if someone has an idea to do a slightly more major crime, suddenly you're all fucking doing that crime. And now people are murdered and you're getting shot at. I don't know if he ever put on an American bandana like on his entire head, Uh but he might as well have. He had that American bandana energy. 
Like he is that guy. He he does he plays guitar and like does karate moves, Proud but like without knowing American. karate. Do you know who he reminds me of in like our life is that we are all friends and we have this like dynamic, and then one of us will bring in a new person, and that sometimes that new person will say like, "Oh, this is your dynamic, not anymore," and like try to change <laughs> how we hang out. That's who Todd Parker is. Now I'm part of this. All right, are we ready to go to the envelope? Let's do it. They're all so bad. Yeah, like, there are no winners of this award. But who is the biggest loser? Oh, it's Brock Levitt. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, he sucks so much, but I feel like like we got a little overexcited with how much we didn't like. Here's the thing. He has that one gold earring, and I think that gives him an extra 10 points. That was the the 90s. You didn't know. Some of us just had that earring in the 90s, Taylor, and it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It does, though. Oh, Mike's a shithead. I think it's the fact that we know it's James Cameron putting himself in the movie. And I don't know. Is he trying to own himself, or is he trying to... (laughs) No, he thinks he's cool as hell. He's... Brock love it, and he pulled a a geriatric dying lady out in the ocean. He could just go to her house to listen to the story. (laughs) All right. I also think that old lady could have been a nominee, too. Like She was a real shithead. Dude, fuck fuck you, old lady. Uh, When we come back, we will have our first matchup, and it is a doozy. In this round two battle one matchup, we have La Confidential versus Jackie Brown. So this is a toughie. This is this is a real a real toughie. We kind of wilded out about both of these movies. Jackie Brown, I feel like, has all the momentum. I feel like there is no movie that has more mo- momentum in our competition right now than Jackie Brown. Yes, but I feel like it has that momentum because we've been pushing for it and talking about it. LA Confidential has so much momentum, we didn't even talk about it in the first round. Because it skated by Titanic. I mean, yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, it has enough momentum that it blew past the number one seed of the bracket Uh without even a discussion. The Lynn bracket. Now, LA Confidential, it's up against, and that's a character from the movie. Yeah. Kim Basinger. Right. Played her. I I also feel like both of these (laughs) movies have a thing that I just really, really appreciate, which is that they both feel... Like expansive, but also somehow like very tight. Uh huh. Like it feels like everything is interconnected and works just gels in a way that I'm like, ooh. And they're both period pieces. One's in the 40s, the other was in 95. We went two years before. Two years. Remember, we thought we knew so much. How crazy. Everyone just wearing Kangles, even if they match, even if it's just two characters in the scene wearing (laughs) the same style Kangle. Uh, Well, let's say some things about. L.A. Confidential. It is a very complicated story, uh, but I feel like because we had all seen it multiple times, we all now know everything that happens. Is it any kind of strike against it that it, the, upon your first viewing, it's a little hard to figure out the ins and outs? I don't think so. So my first time was for the show. I have never seen this movie Same. until very recently. Okay. And the the trying to tease at the threads and every character has information they're not sharing with other characters on purpose so the audience doesn't know like this does feel like just kind of part and parcel to what noir is about you're constantly trying to figure out who's trying to get over on all those other guys uh-huh. and i now want to rewatch it knowing everything i know to see those little hints that are on there it is very satisfying to know what happens and then rewatch it mm-hmm. because it, the movie is not being very obscure about what's going on it's just hard to keep track of it 
it's really they it gives you all the information. It's just it gives you a lot of extra information, like a word problem from math class, <laughs> and it's hard to figure out what you're supposed to focus on or how it all interacts. But uh, yeah, I do like the whole part and parcel of the genre thing because like we did Roger Rabbit last season and we weren't totally sure about all of the stuff. Yeah. Uh, Chinatown is like, I've seen it multiple times. It's so baffling to me. Like yeah. you don't really watch it for plot. And then famously, I'm just going to make up names here. William Faulkner wrote the screenplay for the big sleep. Uh-huh. Let's say, and did not know who like did what, like he didn't understand <laughs> the, his own screenplay. And the big sleep, the book is very interconnected and all twisted and hard to figure out what's going on until the very end where it's like, yeah, most of that stuff didn't actually even matter. It's like right. kind of a more simple explanation. It, than it's all not that. that the, the ending reveal is the point. The twistiness is the mm-hmm. point. Yeah. yeah. Be- because that's what, so often when people are doing detective movies that aren't noir movies, it's just them stumbling upon a cigarette pack and throwing it into a computer. And the computer says, this is the bad guy. But what noir yeah. does is put the audience in the... Of course there's a bunch of shit that doesn't mean anything. That's real fucking police work. You don't know yeah. what you're doing half the time. You're just chasing <laughs> down leads. And also, Jackie Brown is also pretty twisty, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, there's a lot to keep track of in Jackie Brown. I, I actually think that these movies are very similar. Oh, yeah. I, but, like, L.A. Confidential is you're working backwards to figure out what happened, and... Uh, Jackie Brown is you're working forwards and Jackie Uh Brown is telling everyone what she's about to do Mm -hmm. but she's like just telling them exactly the thing that like like you're never quite sure what Jackie Brown is like her end game is she just keeps like digging deeper into this like huge web and then it's only at the end in both movies that it like resolves and you're like oh I see how all that went but you build the story opposite direction I feel like Max Cherry does at the end of the movie where he's like I think that we should sever all connection because I can't (laughs) tell whether or not I'm gonna become part of like the people that get screwed over by you and she's like just come to Italy with me and he's like I don't know what I should do but I can't think clearly and I I read the end of the movie honestly as him being like oh i think i'm gonna go i I see him as 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 eventually deciding to go with her whether that's a good thing or not and that's a huge question mark i mean quentin tarantino could have put the end and then question mark or fin to like get more Uh artsy (laughs) the the way that i read max cherry was that we all think that all these characters and all movies have to like land at a movie like ending place at the end and I sort of realized on this last rewatch that for Max Cherry, it wasn't the breakout with a girl and the money. It was he had different needs. He just really wanted to think that, like, he wanted to remember that not all criminals are bad uh-huh. and that his life is worth something. Yeah. And that was achieved even watching Jackie leave. Could you imagine being at a phase in your life as a man where you're like, well, the romantic part's probably all over for me, and that's okay. You know, I, like, have my job, and I'm doing all right. And then someone that amazing and beautiful and charming walks into your life. Dude, <sighs> that, like, just that grab hot. on. <laughs> just grab right on. That hot and that amount of instant rapport. Yeah. All at the same time. And that smart and that accomplished. At, yeah, like, I mean, for him, that's like it's like a complete rebirth. He, like, he, he comes alive again. So you got to go for it. I guess... And now that I'm thinking about the two movies, I think I have a lot warmer feelings towards Jackie Brown than I do L.A. Confidential. The I loved L.A. Confidential. It was very good, but I, I couldn't shake, thinking about it over the past few months after we've watched it, I can't shake how freaking racist it is. And I know it's trying to comment on racism, but it does that by being racist. Like The movie does? Yeah. It, the movie's just racist as shit. Like, I, I really do feel that way. Um, and it could have done more. And I think it's dealing with 
source material that's racist, racist as shit, and, and I, far more racist, right? Like, yeah, it does water it down a lot. Yeah, but like the the the, the narrator's voice in L.A. Confidential, the book, is a super racist voice. I think because it's supposed to like mirror the time, and it just the movie feels that way to me too. I I get that. I do feel like the movie does try to address racism to greater or lesser like success. Yeah. But I mean like w- like when they have uh the girl that they rescue just straight up say like yeah, I lied about some stuff because like no one would ever listen to a Hispanic girl on yeah. the West Side unless I like tied it to some other yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that is reckoning. I wonder if like the, this movie is doing so much that maybe it's giving him too much credit. If this movie tried to handle racism and is like, isn't racism bad as well while doing everything else isn't doing, we would be like, what are they even trying to do here? They could never touch this while trying to tell a twisty Hollywood noir story. Are you saying I want to have it both ways, Mike? I, I don't, I would never say that about my best friend, <laughs> but it, it feels like, I don't know if I want the people behind LA confidential to make a movie dealing with race. Yeah. Because it just feels like not in their skill set. And having that character say that feels like we're doing enough here. And making not like drawing the three black kids as like they are, they do very bad shit, but they are humans. And yeah. they, they have shades of other characteristics feels like a bold move. Well, it's coming around to that time, gentlemen. One of these movies must move on, and one will be retired in shame. To walk across the land, broken and defeated. We're going to start with you, Mike. Which movie would you like to move on? L.A. Confidential or Jackie Brown? I don't want to go first. Uh, I think this is the hardest battle for me uh, between the two of them. I fucking love both of these movies. And I think I might just be a sucker for heisty plans. And that's what Uh both of these movies have. You don't even know right now, do you? No. Like you're still thinking right now. What do you guys think I should say? Uh, <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for LA Confidential. Wow, Ryan. So LA Confidential is one of my favorite movies of all time. And if you just say its name right now, it moves on. Right. But in the episode that we did, oh, I'm gonna take way longer. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. Ignore <laughs> your note and. It, in the episode that we did of LA Confidential, one of my concerns was, and this might sound stupid, like I'm still thinking if this is stupid to say while I'm saying it, it's it, it's too perfect by half. Like uh-huh. it's almost so perfect that like does that sort of leave us cold? I have never understood when he said that. <laughs> it, it has never once made sense to me. I think that uh, they're sort of like perfectly told stories, but I do when it's this close, I have to give it up to the filmmaking, and I think that Quentin Tarantino directed a better movie. Fuck. That Fuck means me, it's dude. Shit. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> Fuck. It's all up to you, team Fuck. Oh. This is like a little peek behind my personal curtain. Boogie Nights, LA Confidential, and Jackie Brown were my personal like top three. Oh, yeah. They oh, what a weirdo. Like, How strange like, of you like, to say like that. Very close, and they change like, moment to moment which one is on top. Everybody's number four, I think, was Princess Mononoke. Oh, fuck, shit, fuck. Oh, fuck, <laughs> shit, fuck. <laughs> oh. I, uh, Are you locked in, Greg? Uh, yeah, like, I mean, uh, my vote doesn't matter, but I'll say what it is. I, I, uh, but I know what it is. All right, Taylor. He's locked in. Why aren't you? So, okay. I am going to vote 
For I th- I think I have to vote for the movie that I when I watched it blew me away more. And that is going to be LA Comics. Holy wow. shit. Wow. I can't believe I, that's winning. <laughs> there was a moment on the LA Confidential show where I was like, oh, wow, this might actually do it. But that was the only time, including all of today, that I honestly thought that anything other than Jackie Brown was going to win. Me too. But that's, Jackie <sighs> Brown is now being put to bed. Good night, sweet this, Jackie this Brown. This feels bad. Like, I am, I actually feel physically sick right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, I mean, if, if it wasn't going to be Jackie Brown, it's probably going to be this movie, but it still has some work to do in the next round. So we'll have to see if it is able to do what it takes to become movie of the year. But before then, let's get to some more of these awards, you guys. Let's just do it. Let's just take a short break and then let's just like do some awards. Gentlemen, this is America and this is Mike Pence's America. And so, of course, sex is completely illegal, but... We are still going to pick best sex in a movie, even though Mother wouldn't like it one bit. We're just going to get rowdy in here. We're just going to pretend we're having lunch with just a woman, right? (laughs) Wouldn't that be crazy? And she's wearing one of those bonnets from The Handmaid's Tale. What I'm saying is America has a complicated relationship with sex and sexuality, and that is expressed in no better place than cinema. And the cinema, especially of 1997, Ryan, I feel like we don't have a ton of, like, sex sex to talk about. I can think of, like, one scene. Um, So did you have to, like, get a little clever with our definition of sex for this year? No, not at all, Greg. (laughs) Uh, Because of one particular movie. Um, I ran the numbers, and I had a list, and then I lost that list. But um, (laughs) uh, Contact, I think, is nominated for two Moody's total. Uh Uh, Men in Black, two Moody's. Uh, Boogie Nights, 13 Moody nominations this year. Wow. And... A lot of it's because of the supporting actors and actresses. But also, one of the awards is Best Sex. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, your first nominee is Dirk and Amber, Please Come Inside Me, from Boogie Nights. Whew. That was, uh, that was a lot. This, this was their first uh, on-screen yeah. sex. Oh, boy. And this is when he says afterwards, he says, like, the, one of the famous lines of the movie where he's just like, I could do it again. Yeah, I could do I'm it ready again. to go. Yeah, dude, I'm just do it right now. Uh, this is... I, I think there is a niceness to this scene. Um, at this point in his career, Dirk Diggler wants to make it sexy. He wants to, I just want to um, make it sexy. He has already, and this is weird how like ahead of its time it was, but um, Burt Reynolds is like, do you want to have sex with R- Roller Girl? And Dirk Diggler's like, uh, he looks at Roller Girl and he's like, is it okay if we have sex? And she's like, yeah, sure. And he's like, yeah, then I, then I would. Uh, that's revolutionary, you yeah. guys, that that happened in a movie from 1997. So I like this scene. I think that even though having sex on a, the, the set of a porno is probably never actually very sexy. This gets as close as you maybe can. And I think they try to make it that the characters lose themselves. It, like to Amber, she's done this job for a long time, yeah. but I think her saying come inside me, she gets caught up in the darkness of it all. Yeah. That's the best thing about the scene is that like she, this veteran porn actress is like, this is amazing. Yeah. He's just like, let's like actually have sex. Because he is so good at it. Yeah. This is also the scene where, like, all these veteran people in the crew, like, pull down their Ray-Bans. Yeah. (laughs) Also, uh, watching the scene, I was struck by the fact that there's no way she could say to him quietly enough, come inside, Uh without without the director being like, hey, no, stop. (laughs) Don't do that, Dirk. Don't do what she just said. Your next nominee is Dirk in Roller Girl, the uh, audition on Jack's couch from Boogie Nights. 
he, so they're I got bo- a brand new pair of roller skates. The, the, I got a brand new <laughs> okay, that song's great. I, I feel like the scene itself is is a well made scene. Yeah, these two characters are both underage, and there's an old man in the room <laughs> with them telling them. To and fuck. they're even younger than their age. I, you know, the movie makes a real point about how innocent they they really yeah. are. These we are see like, Roller Girl in high school classes twice in the movie. Yeah. Both times wearing roller skates still. Yeah. But we get some early uh, Heather Graham character development of, I will never take off my skates. Yeah, dude. The skates don't come off. Uh, but this does have the the part that I was just talking about where he's like, you know, uh, lady, is it okay if I have sex with you? <laughs> because Consent that's, is sexy. That's the only way that <laughs> this, I do it. This mustachioed man has told us that we should, <laughs> but I just want to clear that with you first. He does have a neckerchief on, so <laughs> I am predisposed to listen to him. Yeah, but this one doesn't have quite the same sex content for me that the first one does because yeah. we're looking at basically two kids here. Yeah. Is that why the Scooby Doo gang followed Fred around? It was that neckerchief. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. that it, made him the leader. It, especially at this time, it like confers a lot of power and leadership quality onto you. Plus one to leadership. Yeah, the, as they say, neck bear don't care. <laughs> as they say, your third nominee, and this is this counts. This is a nominee, I think. Uh, this is all stuff. Sexy and romantic. Okay. Uh, it's uh, from Boogie Nights. It's Dirk's final reveal. So it's Wiener. Uh, yeah. uh, it's looking at Wiener. Uh, he's he's wiener. hanging dong. You know, uh, for me, why this isn't very sexy, that is the fakest looking dick. <laughs> it's a fake dick. <laughs> and like, we've been seeing boobs up in this movie the whole time. I know it's complicated to maybe for a guy to, to show his dick or something. Close the set. Do whatever you have to take so no one get, gets their feelings hurt. But like... Let's let's see a real dick, everybody. Yeah. Or also, America's ready for it. But but also, there's no way that Marky Mark has a thirteen. Like no, uh, bring in another dude. And also, that penis that they show they isn't even thirteen inches because they were like, we made a thirteen inch one and it looked too like too much. Like you guys don't know what you asked for when you <laughs> yeah. told us to make a thirteen inch penis. Yeah. yeah, and I always figured that even with all that, he's still a grower. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That's, that, he's got he's got a hog. Yeah. For sure. That's for certain. That's number one with a bullet. He's got an otaku <laughs> from Princess Mononoke. <laughs> that hog is an absolute bore. Your next nominee is from Titanic, as Paul F. Tompkins calls it, sex in a car on a boat. Yeah, dude. Yeah? I mean, uh, listen. That's we, steam. Yeah, dude. We made, a, we made fun of this a lot, and I, I always think this is one of the most absurd scenes in movie history. Except for the hand on the steamy window, that does kind of get it. Though. And iconic, like yeah, it's still a very memorable shot. It you've got metavehicular fornication, uh-huh. <laughs> and any time that enters the equation, I am good to go. For me, I don't, I don't know if this is even qualifies or not, but Jack just drawing Rose mm-hmm. is the hottest thing in that movie by a million. Even all the Fabrizio <laughs> Jack stuff. It's clear in the steamy car in a boat sex. That's what Rose is thinking about: is her getting drawn by Jack. That's what made her come, uh-huh. not Jack's prowess, but just like that she is seen as a piece of art. She's like, "Fuck yeah!" And a little bit, she's thinking about Fabrizio, as we all. Well, yeah, all I mean, the time. yeah, like that's what made this scene creepy: is that Fabrizio sitting in the front seat of the car, yeah, telling dude. these two underage kids to have sex. And an ascot. <laughs> and your final nominee is. I don't, there's nothing like funny or cool about this. This is like when Will and Skyler just have sex from Goodwill Hunting. 
They, just, they just have like boyfriend girlfriend sex. They, they had sex. Yeah, I Gross. boyfriend girlfriend sex pretty good. Yeah. Uh, again, not the sexiest thing in this movie. Sexiest thing in this movie is clearly when Manny Driver tells that joke. Oh yeah. Give her give her our cares. Uh, or just really any mini driver scene when she's just being like charming and funny. Putting yeah. those big glasses on and like yes. the uh, novelty store. Yeah, all that's better th- better than this. Well, Ryan, I'm gonna I'm just gonna tear this open. You, it, it's time, bro. Envelope. Is it okay with you if I? <laughs> all right. You miss drop pads so much. <laughs> I do miss drop pads so much, man. The, that power to let you know when you've done well. Sex in a car on a boat. Titanic. Congratulations. Uh, you know what? They really enjoyed it. Uh, it Get was it so steamy. good that uh, an old lady thought about it for the rest of her life. You know what? Good for her. And good for us. We've talked about sex, but this is America, everybody. Let's get to that violence, and we will on the other side of this sound effect. Violence. Don't we love it? We love it, don't we, everybody? Absolutely. Uh, I want to punch you right now. The problem is, in the movies of 97, there wasn't a lot of violence. Am I am I remembering that correctly? Where there's, there's, Okay, now I'm thinking about some some perhaps violence. Maybe a little... A little shooting. I think occasionally somebody would like fist to cuffs. Yeah. I, th- I think it's mostly just all about hanging out. Yeah, they're just chilling. Is that that's the weird thing we discovered tonight, right? That a lot of these movies are about hanging out, and then what, like two characters will have hung out for a while, and then one shoots the other. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Ryan. Let's get to the nominees for best violence. Your nominees for best violence. Your first one is from Titanic. It's man versus propeller. Oof. Oh, <laughs> propeller man! Wow, guy falls off the ship. Dunk. This and is a slam dunk. He's so fucked, right? Like, I mean, like he's falling many stories yeah. into the cold water. That should be the worst part of the end of his life. But then he hits a propeller on the way down. <laughs> I think oh. what this scene makes us confront is like applies to Titanic in general, which is this is awful, granted, but there's some rad shit going on. Watching that <laughs> boat go up into the air and then break in half, that was rad. Watching that guy fall and hit the propeller and start spinning like crazy, you guys, that's rad. Like, I like it's seeing tragic. one of the other passengers be like, yes. Yeah, dude. Dope. Did you guys see that? <laughs> oh, man. He got spinning so fast. Oh, shit. Oh, awesome. This could be the best vine. All right. Next nominee is from LA Confidential. It's the third act shootout at the Victory Motel. Oh, this is such a good fucking shootout. This is, like, actually good. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. this isn't funny. It's just good. It's, a lot of shooting. It's got so much shooting. It's got multiple, like, throwing guns to That's each other. That's the thing yeah. is that... You would think you would think LA Confidential is the least hangout movie. Yeah. But at this point, Bud and Exley have hung out enough where they know how to throw guns and yeah. clips at each other. And they've like they have hated each other for so much in the movie, and now they're like on the same side. And am I am I remembering this incorrectly? Doesn't someone throw a shotgun to one guy and the guy catches it by the pump and then does that movie yes. thing? Oh yeah. The thing yeah. you only do in movies, which is cock the shotgun the out of Sarah nowhere. Connor. Yes. Oh it, damn. Oh, that's so- almost be- that's almost as good as man hits propeller. If one of the bad guys like fell off the mountain and hit a propeller in that scene. Oh. They did a lot of that Grand Theft Auto stuff in that shootout where a guy would just run into the doorway and get shot uh-huh. and then yeah. a guy would run uh-huh. along right behind him. <laughs> dude, don't it, do that. So it There's was, momentum. How are you going to do? Stop. <laughs> I think it was well shot and I think it was a perfect act three for like this action movie without a lot of action. But yeah, there are points where it is as easy as Will Smith in that shooting gallery. Yeah. Like, they just provide their bodies for them to shoot. Your next nominee is from Face Off. Guys, it's somewhere over the rainbow. Oh, yeah. The action in this movie I found watching this time was too cartoonish. And this is a good example. 
I felt like it, LA Confidential is just cartoonish enough to where I'm removed from the horror and get to enjoy it as kind of a fun thing. The action in this movie, including this scene, is just so nuts. Nobody has ever handled guns this way. No shootout has ever looked anything like this. I think this is too the uh, we talked about this on the Face Off show for Patreon people only. Um, that like Jamu really doesn't give a shit about like uh, the spatial aspects and like where people are. It feels like he filmed actiony stuff for like a week. And then threw it all together. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like nobody is ever where they're supposed to be in the next shot. As long as someone is jumping and there's like glass breaking and sparks shooting out of something at the same time and doves dual wielding. That's like all. you <laughs> need. See, I think he was trying to show like the fog of war. Uh huh. And how confusing it is when you're in there. Yeah. I fucking love my, my one gripe is there's no way a, a seven year old in 1997 is listening to a cover of somewhere over the rainbow. It should have been weird. Al. That's what that little <laughs> kid should have been listening to. <laughs> But I mean, like that's how it got the nomination, right? It's not because the guns in action, but because it's juxtaposed with yeah. somewhere over the rainbow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your next nominee is from the film Face Off. It's Speedboat Battle. Okay. <laughs> this Speedboat is more Face Offy, right? This is where the movie really embraces the fact that these stunt doubles look nothing like yes. the people <laughs> they're portraying. The yeah, dude, and it just goes with it. There's just up close shots of the the stunt doubles. It's like, here's these guys. They're the ones driving the boat now. Boats are jumping over everything. Boats are colliding. <laughs> like like dogs and cats. There are moments where it will cut to a dude who is very clearly like a Vince Vaughn stunt double uh-huh. for John Travolta, just <laughs> like riding a boat. Oh, at the, when the boats crash on the shore, uh, like one of the guys that jumps out has straight up gray hair. Yeah. It's just, like it's, they're not trying at all. Your final nominee is from Boogie Nights. It's the escape from Rahad's house at the end. Oh, shit. This was a tense scene. So we've talked about action scenes. They did the action very well. And action scenes that were so dumb, they were super funny. They were great. I think this scene has fucking all of it. It's very tense the whole time. The violence is in how they're talking to each other. And then when it explodes, it's super funny and horrifying all at once. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, this is a better scene than... Victory Motel, right? As good as LA Confidential is. Like, yeah. This is a better put together mm-hmm. scene. This reminds me of like uh, a Tarantino style scene where the violence is implicit the whole time mm-hmm. and the tension just keeps getting ratcheted up. And when it becomes explicit, you don't know if you feel glad that it's happening or like fucked up that it's happening. But like it is this release of an incredible amount of tension that we've like, we as viewers make ourselves. And that is like a very, I don't know, effective technique. It also has one of my favorite parts in the entire movie where amidst all this tension, uh, Mark Wahlberg loses his mind for 60 seconds and the camera just holds on him, like staring off into nothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then uh, like the, the final part of the scene is they run out and then you remember that this is suburbia. Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. a normal ho- like track. And it's also a great scene because it like dovetails thematically where like, uh, Reed like runs away, but like Dirk is hanging on to the car that is like his one like tie to his porn career. Uh-huh. And after that, Dirk is never or uh, Reed is never in porn again, and Dirk goes right back to it. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the way that Reed jumped over that bush he was jumped- John Woo esque. <laughs> <laughs> he, <did a> he just side jumped over a bush. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm gonna tear it open. Ripping on into it. What cr- violent. <laughs> And what the if it's winner. Like Greg's ripping of envelope is the winner. <laughs> it's Greg tears into envelope. Envelope doesn't stand a chance. Wrecked. Speedboat battle. Yeah, all yeah. right. Yeah. It's yeah. everything we want. It's everything we need. Uh, in our most violent movie, 
It was definitely the best. Yeah. The best violence. Uh, maybe if a man had hit a propeller, it could have taken it to the next level. Oh, shit. We're in boats. I would have come everywhere. <laughs> when we come back, we are going to do the next battle of round two. All right, this next matchup is Princess Mononoke versus Contact. This is going, the winner of this goes into the finals to square off against LA Confidential. Must, Contact was fun. They should have sent a poet. (laughs) Maybe they should have sent a movie maker. Am I right? Oh, Oh, fuck. For a, for Greg, it's Ryan. Um, Uh, for a number 22 seed, which you may have heard us mention that this is number 22 seed, this is unprecedented. And the thinking, final four. Yeah, we've been doing right. this show for 50, 60 years, mm-hmm. and this is the first time a 22 seed has ever made it right. this deep. You've had a good run, contact. And you know what? Now your watch is over. Yeah. Do you We're, guys want to just do like a two-minute segment right now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, there's no way it's going to beat Princess Mononoke. Uh, it was a good movie. We enjoyed it. It probably dropped in our esteem. Uh, Princess Mononoke is a stellar movie. Um, It's a view into a style of cinema that we are just getting acquainted with. It reminds us how awesome it is to not have the plot and the world spoon-fed to us, but instead to feel like it's bigger than we expected. And I couldn't imagine us being anywhere near as excited about Contacts as we are about Princess Mononoke. I agree. It, in just to draw this out longer than it needs to be, in context, who do you want to see more of? Jake Busey or William Fichtner? Oh, William Fichtner, always. Yeah. Jake Busey sucks, and I think he's ugly. <laughs> and <if> you- <laughs> we're, we're often fake mean to each other and to actors. That's the realest thing Jesus. you've ever said. I, I feel like this has suddenly become a segment where we are like very mean to the movie context we and ha- everyone in it. We have to capture that sound. That's that's like that has to be a drop. Jake Busey sucks and he's fucking ugly. I just think that if you're going around telling people that they look like Jake Busey, you're uh, being a real asshole right yeah. now. Uh, we may be seeing behind the curtain here. Ryan, have you been compared to Mr. Busey? He's been compared to me. <laughs> uh, that's Did tough. you guys hear? And I, I like I really like Robert Zemeckis. Like, it sort of tailed off when he like went into the whole Polar Express realm. But yeah. uh, <laughs> Back to the Future and Roger Rabbit, like sure. I, I really grew up on the guy. Uh, he is going to do Pinocchio. What do you guys think of that? Oh man, you know I keep I was just about to say Disney's got to cut this out, <laughs> like because I don't feel like seeing these movies. But they are making so much freaking money, and just but just just. To, this Pinocchio. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's still going so bad. <laughs> Does Pinocchio? Greg, a lot is lying on this right now. Like you got to do this. Have Strings. the the built-in audience that like Lion King and Aladdin, no. and Beauty and the Beast. Well, it's definitely got some lion audience in it. It's got because n- his nose grows. Because his nose. No. Oh, okay. Because the lion. The problem is that they uh, they go to get these directors to make them, so like they'll stand out amongst the the rest of them. And really, what the directors do is say like, "Oh, cool, six months off. Like I don't have to try when I make this movie." I believe Avengers: Age of Ultron already is the ultimate Pinocchio remake. Mm. There's no strings on him now, guys. I am gonna call for a vote. Princess Mononoke. All right, Taylor says Princess Mononoke. Ryan. I mean, it would be. Fun to add drama and see what Mike would pick, but does it help if I go Princess Mononoke? Mononoke, oh. she's yeah. a princess. It always helps to bring up Michael Jackson. Uh-huh. Right? Uh It's Princess Mononoke. 
Mike, what would you have said if it mattered even in the least? Contact, obviously. <laughs> what a punk rocker. All right, so now we know our final matchup will be LA Confidential versus Princess Mononoke. But you know what? We got some more of these awards, and I'm itching to give them out in just a moment. Now, last week we talked about supporting actors and actresses, but who are they supporting is what I want to know. And so we're going to do awards for Best Actor and Best Actress. But first, it's Best Actor. Ryan, who are our nominees? Your first nominee is from the film Face Off. And so when I say that, there's only one nominee. Do you guys know who it is? Or Absolutely. Nick Cage. Yes. It, oh, yeah. John Travolta did not get nominated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, why would you ever expect he would? This is, is this our first real look at like Nick Cage as just an absolute wild man? I feel like this is like we. There was transitioning from uh, leaving Las Vegas to here. Leaving Las Vegas. I and, mean, and then this is it from here on out. Like, do you remember? Yeah. Uh, there was a movie where Al Pacino was a good actor, and then he was in that movie, and he just said "hoo ha" for the rest of his yeah. career. Yeah, this is his. Like, oh, I, I'm this Nicolas Cage now. This is Nicolas Cage's hoo ha. Let's all take a moment to talk about our favorite favorite Nicolas Cage hoo ha. Uh, mine is definitely the grabbing the girl's butt in choir, <laughs> and then just looking into. The, the crane cam and being like <laughs> like that is definitely my, my favorite moment what are some other moments people like from Nick Cage in this um, I really like when he's having that stand up at the beginning uh, with John Travolta where he A John Travolta says the word fuck he's like language uh-huh. and then he, and then he just like drops all of his weapons and he's like just kill me cause I don't give a fuck <laughs> and he starts like sing songing his like threats and like wishes for death uh huh uh, I wish one of our awards was best Nicolas Cage moment from Face Off. <laughs> uh, I talked about mine on the show. I'm going to talk about it again. It's easy to be big, guys. It's easy to like, scream, but uh, when his face itches and he rubs it against a building <laughs> and then says, face itches. Uh, it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It's how I've started to scratch my face in my real life. <laughs> a lot of stucco around these parts, so you can do it. Uh, mine, mine is the party when he's surrounded by all of Caster Troy's bad guys, and he is both enjoying being Caster Troy and breaking his fucking brain trying to be Caster Troy, uh-huh. uh, cackling and crying all at once. It's oh yeah, this is the guy from Leaving Las Vegas. He is a good actor stuck in this now new career. And then he goes to bed because he's too high, and then somersaults out of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> he's amazing. Who is next up? Your next nominee is from L.A. Confidential. It's Russell Crowe. Oh yeah. Very, like, reserved performance. I find I have a lot of respect for people that are able to keep it mostly, like, contained and feel like a lot of what's going on is internal and you just kind of see it on the surface a little bit. But we've learned, just like Burt Reynolds in uh, Boogie Nights, there were points where they said, stop being Bud, just be Russell Crowe, and then he did it. Like, he uh-huh. punch people, break chairs, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> I- I've-, I've spent most of Russell Crowe's career wondering why people like him. Uh, he just he's not impressive. He does a fine Gerard Butler type job, but <laughs> then in this movie, I was like, oh, when he was young, he could act. That's what made him be Gladiator and everything else. That is true. Like Gladiator, like everyone loved Gladiator. Like, oh yeah, I'm not totally sure why. Still, dude, I, Gladiator's a bad movie. Like, this is a ridiculous, stupid movie. Oh uh, no, I, you said bad, like. It's Badass. a bad thing. No, Gladiator's a bad movie, dude. <laughs> I love that movie. It's just a whole bunch of people just, like, hitting each other with swords for, like, three hours. Gladiating as fuck. Every now and then, people do thumbs up or thumbs down for, like, no reason. Uh-huh. Oh. Your next nominee, and this may be my doing, but I'm so excited about this. From Men in Black, it's Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. I'm so glad he's here. 
He did it, man. He did it. You made it. He uh, what's kind of funny about this is he fought against this portrayal of this character with like mm-hmm. every fiber of his being and kept trying to make his character funnier so he could like have a fun time with it. And he was beaten into submission properly because this is much funnier in like the scope of the movie than if he were trying to crack jokes repeatedly. Yeah, I think it's like I think it's hard to like say like uh, I'm not going to get all the spotlight, like I'm not going to have all the punchlines, but wouldn't you rather be Dean Martin? Like, do you want to be Jerry Lewis? Like, yeah. and you've got Will Smith in the movie. You're gonna have to play off of that. What if so, Will yeah. Smith was the old man, straight man? Yeah, like, that's not gonna work. <laughs> uh, your next nominee is also from LA Confidential. It's Guy Pierce. So Kevin Spacey, the only one of the three not nominated for any awards. That is surprising. To I me. Can, what did Kevin Spacey do? I wonder. <laughs> scratching my yeah. head in bewilderment. That's crazy. He does. He does. Kevin Spacey's pretty good in this movie. He's but. very, he's very, he's very <laughs> good in this movie, but real life Kevin Spacey sucks ass. Yeah. Um, so he will never win. Guy Pierce, though, this is such an interesting character, and I think he does a really good job portraying it. This guy who is not really a hero. Yeah. He's trying to take advantage of situations constantly and then makes himself look heroic. And then along the way, just kind of almost tricks himself into being a hero. And then right at the end, gets totally compromised and then makes himself the, into the image of the hero more than ever before. It's a cool journey to watch him go through, and Guy Pierce does a good job with it. And he sort of struggles with it the whole time, but he has no friends, so we don't get to see him vocally struggle with it. It's always yeah. in the twitch of an eye or a lip. Uh, yeah, it's fucking a career-making role for him as well. He's awesome. Oh, like It's really hard to act in this movie because it's so much dialogue and plot moving the entire time, and he is like a vanilla character purposefully, but like his whole performance is, uh, when he's not talking, like Mike said, when he uh, puts the shotgun in the elevator and blows the yes. people away, like he thinks that he that was what he was supposed to do, but like the look on his face is oh fuck, dude, yeah. oh fuck. Your final nominee, and I think Taylor Wright should have been nominated. It's Mark Wahlberg, at least nominated, or was he that bad? Ah, uh, yeah, who knows? He's definitely doing a thing, and I think he's good for the kids. So the nominee, the nominee is Mark Wahlberg. Yes, for okay. Unites. Yes, I I I think that he's definitely doing like he i don't i don't know any many other people who could play this character this well yeah like there was rumors that i think like leonardo dicaprio was Mm -hmm. maybe like approached to play this role and i i do not see leonardo dicaprio pulling off this role i think this is a role built for mark Wahlberg to be mark Wahlberg. you can argue whether or not that means like his acting is on display here but i think as far as portraying the character no i mean like i think that they utilize his lack of talent yeah, and 100%. I'm not sure if that keeps you from winning the award. His performance is exactly what the movie right. Means. He's doing exactly what the movie is trying to get, and the way he achieves that, or what that means, like how he how well he acts outside of this role, are meaningless. He gives the exact performance, and he is as innocent and stupid mm-hmm. as he needs to be for this movie. Yeah, I, I think I think he does do a great job because there's the innocent Dirk Diggler in the beginning, but then there's like the goofy bad karate acting later and then the, uh-huh. like, the real ego trip and he it's not like mark Wahlberg is doing different things in each aspect of those yeah so it's not great but i like the fight the with the mom acting the fight with the mom is please don't be mean to me right now Just don't be mean to me right now. <laughs> uh yeah i think he definitely deserves to be on this list do you know what it's like is i uh, it, our 99 winner was Eyes Wide Shut, and everybody, when that came out, was like, Kubrick cast Tom Cruise? Like, why would he do that? And we all thought it was like, he saw something in Cruise that, like, nobody else had. And then later we found out 
Kubrick thought he was like the biggest, douchey, chuddiest, bad husband, male idiot. And that's why I put him in there. Not so he could perform, but all of that other stuff would come through. And it is hard to like be yourself. So however they got the performance out of Mark Wahlberg to be exactly like Mark Wahlberg, it, I don't know. It's a, that's what the movie needed. I hope he wins now. Let's see. <laughs> Such a good sound. Yeah, that was one of his best so far. That was really good. I'm getting better. I'm I wish the better. host at the Oscars would let everybody know who they wanted to win right before they <laughs> open the envelope. <laughs> I hope it's Moonlight. Okay. <laughs> Nicolas Cage, face off. Hey! Yeah. Deservedly yeah. so. All right. Is that okay? Like, <laughs> what happened here? Did we do a bad thing? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know what it is? Okay. I think we are very serious when we pick the movies. I think we maybe get a little less serious when we when we pick the awards. But also, Nicolas Cage is doing... Listen, I I know that this is named the best actor, but you cannot deny that Nicolas Cage is doing the most actor. The acting. most... Isn't it the most actor? He's making yeah. all the... He's doing all the actor tricks. And I think, and I think on average, he just ends up with a high average best than everyone else one actor from our movies was nominated for best actor for the oscars and it was matt damon who <laughs> did not get nominated. so I, I maybe it was just a weak year yeah i, I yeah i'm supply, surprised john travolta didn't split the vote here yeah <laughs> well congratulations to nick cage face off i'm glad we all said our favorite cage moments that yeah, way it doesn't I, seem absurd <laughs> We all had one on tap. We're like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll tell you my favorite Cage moment. Yeah. Hard to pick one, but I guess I'll come up with yeah. one. We're right now officially now. the Nicolas Cage podcast. When we come back, we are going to get to Best Actress. Best Actress. Ryan, let's get to the nominees. This one was hard, guys. Like, we did not pick a lot of uh, female-led movies. Is, in part, is this because uh, in Boogie Nights, so many of the roles were like considered supporting mm. roles? Yeah, because there was some good acting there. In fact, some of these might be supporting. Oh, yeah. Uh, from Princess Mononoke, it's Claire Danes, somebody who on the Princess Mononoke show, we said, was bad at her job. Yeah, uh, I, I've never really liked any. You know who did an okay job voicing? Mini Driver did an okay job. Mini voicing. Driver did an okay job. How about job. Mini Driver, Ryan? Can we do that one? Your next nominee is Mini Driver <laughs> from <laughs> Princess Mononoke. <laughs> yeah, way to go. Mini, Mini Driver did great um, as Lady Eboshi. I thought, uh, like, she did well enough that I ignored all of the fact that they were like, I don't know, all these people live within like 100 miles of each other, but they uh, all have wildly different accents. Yeah. And this is probably clearly a supporting performance, but. Our episode about Mononoke focused so much on Mini Driver's character yeah. that, like, let's throw her in here. Yeah, she deserves it. Uh, yeah, Mini Driver's vocal performance in this was great. But Claire Danes was just all over the place. Didn't quite seem like she knew how, like, what, how much of the movie the animation was supposed to carry her yeah. emphasis and mm. how much she was supposed to just like, well, they can't see my face. So I got to make sure my voice is doing what my <laughs> face is I got to Nicholas Cage this yeah. up. <laughs> I, I, I don't think she was like across the board, like bad, but she definitely wasn't she, like, she wasn't a Billy Bob Thornton crazy level. No, but she, but she definitely wasn't great. Yeah. Who's she, next, it's, Ryan? She was, voice acting is such a crazy hard thing that the, the dudes who play the flash and arrow for years now, they know those characters when they've been cartoonified, it feels like they've never acted before in their fucking life, and they're playing characters they're very familiar with. Yeah. It's just a different skill set. Yeah, it's similar, but you can't do the exact same thing you did on yeah. Also, a lot, of, like, a lot of animation now, they can like 
get the performances and then match the character to the performance. For this, it already existed. Yep. And so every like sound you actually still have to make. And a lot of times you can just feel them like not sure how they can act in such a rigid like a rigidly yeah. defined space. Yeah, it's an easy fix. Shoot a fucking wolf, make Claire Danes drink the blood, and put it all over her face. She's gonna know the character. Uh, dur. Do we have to do everything Hollywood? I roll. Your next nominee is Jodie Foster from Contact. You know what, Jody? There's a lot. There's a lot that's good here. Uh, I I think, but there's some misses. Some some kind of noteworthy misses towards the end of this movie. Yeah. I think. Like you, her, you, you famously don't like her reactions to the alien stuff at the end. Right? She said that she was really struggling with that, and I feel like you can see the struggle. I feel like she doesn't know quite what she's reacting to, and so she's trying to react every single way. Uh, <laughs> I do like the like I'm freaking out, and I'm just going to talk through this, but it just seemed so extra, and I think it, she she was doing something that would become very regular, which is an actor just standing alone on a soundstage and being told to react to things. But I feel like it, the, her performance comes off the rails at that point. It makes sense. Like, they, like, the people who made Contact were like, this is a big blockbuster, but serious and good. And so she seems like the perfect casting, like that middle ground of celebrity and good actor. And then, yeah, like, the reason she's a good actor is because she plays a character talking to another character. Yeah. You know, this is not Silence of the Lambs back and forth here. I feel like, uh, based on how this is going so far, someone's going to win who you just shit-talked. <laughs> yeah, it happens, man. <laughs> uh, really, Taylor, your next nominee is Pam Greer from Jackie Brown. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Thank goodness. Whew. I right. feel very comfortable Here now. we go now. Yeah, I'm feeling very <laughs> nice. Uh, Pam Greer was fucking great in this movie. Yeah, you want to talk about, like, Quentin Tarantino sought out to make a movie that she was the center of, and she was up to that. Yeah. Like, she's like, okay, that, that'll be cool. I can do that. It's like, well, I mean, we talked about on the Goodwill Hunting show that, like, Minnie Driver's character, like, the camera just loves. Yeah. The only, the only person that the camera loves more than Minnie Driver in Goodwill Hunting is Pam Greer in this fucking movie. Yeah. It, like, it could just linger on her and let her just. Which eat. it does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we were all <laughs> yeah. back cherries watching yeah. it, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and then, like, you can just watch her emote to things, and it just fucking, it feels good in your, in your heart, in your body heart. And you can see why she can play everybody. Because if this woman yeah. were in your presence, you would just get tricked by whatever <laughs> in whatever yeah. way she tried to trick by you. By her honesty of saying, this is how I'm going to trick you. And you just go, okay, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're so pretty, okay. It, it, it's a very, like, it, it almost seems like Loki from the, the yeah. like, Marvel universe where he just like, hey, I'm going to do this fun thing. He's like, yeah. no, Loki, don't. But he's going to do it anyway. And you're so nothing. handsome, why not? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you Dark were, hair and your blue eyes. Uh, you rakish chap. So Leo was not nominated for Best Actor. Mm-hmm. Kate Winslet is for Titanic. That makes sense to me. Do yeah. You, is this a good performance, or is this Kate slumming it with big-time Hollywood like Jody did? I, I think this is a good performance. It's better than Leo's. I think we talked about the fact that they didn't really have a lot of chemistry, but I don't think that that is reflective of her performance. I think that was just the writing. She and the camera have incredible chemistry. She yes. is beautiful, and she's just doing all the right things i think yeah like she's turning in an okay or she's turning in a good performance leo's turning in a pretty good performance it's just together they don't have much but i love her in this and i totally buy rose dewitt hating that she's gonna marry billy zane being like i'll fuck around with like this irish piece of garbage for a while like i'm 16 let's bone like i don't know if i need good chemistry i feel like she sells all of that she's in love with the idea of not being fucking mansplained to forever by some rich dickhead 
draw me naked and let's rail. <laughs> Motherfucker. Yeah, dude, <laughs> let's do this thing. This is a woman who like looks at a priceless jewel and is like, you know what? I'm going to chuck this thing right back in the ocean. Yeah. Like, she's a badass. Fuck it. At, there's this thing about her where like she knows that she's above this script. Like, she's better than this movie. But uh, it's not like phoning it in. Who cares? They're still like, I'm going to play to popcorn audiences. But uh, like, I don't think this is stupid. You know, like, yeah. I'm going to make this better than it should be. Yeah. Who is next? Nobody. That's it? Okay. So I'm going to tear this open and then say Br- Pam Greer. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited. This is like magic. <laughs> Hold up to my head, Johnny Carson style. And it looks like it is Pam Greer, Johnny Yeah, Brown. okay, yeah, definitely, yeah. I feel more confident in this than any decision we have made yeah. over the course of these two shows. Like, I'm more confident in that than like if you asked me my name right now. Yeah. <laughs> It's T-Money. Kate Winslet was nominated for an Oscar for this movie. Did not win. Uh, Jackie Brown, or uh, Pam Greer was not nominated. That's wow. fucking Same. bullshit. That's why I feel like ours is the definitive voice. It's why we what, had to do this Yeah, show. dude. I mean, we have to go in there and rectify things. We are owning the movie of the year basically every single year. And funny I should mention it, you guys, because in the next segment, oh, we are going to decide 1997's Movie of the Year. So our final, the final matchup of our 1997 season, the end of everything, is L.A. Confidential versus Princess Mononoke. Now, I don't want to be fake. I don't want to be a fake show. I think we give it real to our audience. And so I want to act like we really feel, which is, is there any chance Princess Mononoke is going to beat L.A. Confidential? It could. And here's why. Paint a picture. Princess Mononoke is a movie where, like, LA Confidential's big draw is that it is so complex and hard to understand. But I think it's complex in its plot. And once you get it, you sort of get it. Yeah. I do, like, I'm still thinking about Princess Mononoke, and I don't think that there's any amount of times that I could watch it where I'd walk away having firm answers about the things that it's wrestling with. And I think that is a fucking dope as hell thing to do and accomplish in a two-hour movie. I, I'm still thinking about that time where Greg sang Princess Mononoke to the tune of Smooth Criminal. Like yeah. That's really the only <laughs> thing I can think of right now. Continue to do that for the rest of the week. I think it'll hold you in good stead. Like I have a choice. <laughs> it's uh, earwormy. Princess Mononoke, like... You know, like set that bar so high and uh, took us to that world, and we never got to go back, and that's awesome. But uh, just because LA Confidential is not fantasy or, you know, like uh, super fictional, I can't think of another movie that took us more to that world harder with everything it did. Like, it was so concerned with every single detail of making sure that we were in there in that time with them. Yeah. That I think it does hold up to like Star Wars or anything that like brings us to a different world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think they're both playing with world building so well and hinting at other things. All these characters in L.A. Confidential and in Mononoke have other adventures and other lives and have met other people that there's just like whispers of. And they're both fucking with their genre and using it so well that it starts to see wh- which one then gets sloppier is also, where I'm at. Not that this matters for what the better movie is, 
But as we're talking about LA Confidential, I can't stop thinking about how this is on a short list where the movie is definitely better than the book. Mm. Yeah. Like the movie is a better presentation of this story. It's a lot less troublesome and problematic. It's just a better version of all this than the book. And I think Elmore Leonard would tell you that. No, nope. James Elroy. God damn it. Every time. Right? I Elmore Leonard time. would tell you that too, though. He's read the book. He's like, Thank no. you. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. But James El- Elroy, when they when people said we're going to remake this, we're going to make this into a movie, he was like, really? It's a weird book. And then when he saw the movie, he was like, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> you guys did a good job with Why this. did I include all that other shit? And he's like, right, let's write uh, James, write Elmore Leonard. And Elmore <laughs> Leonard was like, right. And Leonard Cohen was like, I agree as well. <laughs> the, the other thing that both movies do, I think, better than any movie from this season and a lot of movies that we've watched is that when you watch a movie, you get at least 10 minutes and sometimes 30 minutes of just normal hanging out. Yeah. That way, when the story starts, we know what's different. We are thrown in so hard, and then we have to piece together yeah. what normal life was like before all the shit went down. And it's not too much. Actually, both movies do way too much, but yeah. it is awesome yeah. how they do it. It because I think they're both conceived of as movies that you will probably watch a number of times. Mm, yeah, and I don't think that's a strike against it. I think it's because they know that they're so cool. But mm. yeah, I agree. Like you are thrown right into the middle of everything, and you are left to try to figure out and piece together what happens in the world, and that's what makes the, them so engrossing. Yeah, which really, honestly, like I think L.A. Confidential is the pick here, but Princess Mononoke would not be a terrible choice no it fits in exactly with what we look for in movies or jackie brown yeah or yeah go back and make a jackie brown but princess mononoke is also a movie that is very rare in the fact that like it's the only movie that i can think of where i would like potentially show to a like a tween or a teen about the inevitability of war Uh uh-huh why are you showing tweens movies yeah how about just don't even associate with tweens get in my van i got a movie no it's It's movie night you guys are making it weird i just like show up and i'm like What's up, tweens? Let's <laughs> hang out and watch a movie in my van. And Click, if you like, say or like subscribe. That, I think I'm supposed to say that to you. Yeah. <laughs> Gucci Smash gang. <laughs> uh, and I think that these movies are not as dissimilar as they might appear mm-hmm. uh, uh, on, on your initial viewing, right? I mean, they're both about very complicated situations that it's not easy to just resolve, you know, briefly. Yeah, and, uh, like, I mean, the, the, the good guys... And bad guy, like the good guys sort of win and the bad guys sort of lose, but it is not like uh, I'm the white hat and I like my victory is awesome. Like yeah. it, it is complicated. The other thing too is that if I saw both these movies for the first time, I would think that they both were adapted, you know, and like yeah. well, but there's so much going on that they're adapted. And having read Ellie Confidential, it's a very impressive adaptation. And Princess Mononoke was not right. Like that is yeah. an original no. idea in script. I know but exactly it has what you that mean. feeling. Like, there's, like, several times in the movie where I could see being like, I bet this is really more hashed out in the graphic novel. (laughs) Yeah. I really get into this. There better be a graphic novel. It does feel like one of those things where, like, uh, like they they made a movie, but they also worked with, like, like George R. R. Martin or whoever to do all the world building behind the scenes. And then they built their story on top of whatever that was. Mm. And it just has so many dope visuals. Yes. There's big wolves and samurai oh. swords it's, and demon arms. It really is. I, like at this point we've seen a couple of the like Japanese like anime films for this show, but I don't think for my money, there's anything as fucking badass as uh, Mononoke with the the blood smeared face in front of a giant white wolf. Uh-huh. That is metal as fuck. Yeah, you guys. <laughs> Brian Posehn would love that shit. <laughs> uh, I would never like just find a random tween and show them a movie. Like that's not what I'm into. But that's uh, the only thing that I'm into. Not only is it good for uh, teaching them about war, but also like sort of a baby step before you get into like the crazier, you know, 
anime that uh-huh. like it, I, I wish that I saw this before Akira because it does sort of it isn't that crazy, but it yeah. would have prepped me for that crazy. It you know? eases you in. And watching this movie and having seen Akira, we can see I think similarities that they most they they probably have the same cultural reference mm. you know they probably look yeah. back to the same sort of things and now demon obvi- arms demon arms i mean like you know I, that's pretty conspicuous so like there must be something like that and i would be proud to have it be our 1997 movie of the year but it's not up to me it's up to you three gentlemen my three best buds my three kings and i'm gonna start with taylor okay taylor what do you think should be 1997's movie of the year and i want you the answer that's in your heart the answer that is in my heart Right now, definitely, and I am 100% sure, is the movie (laughs) that goes by the name, fuck it, you know what? Princess Mononoke. Oh, damn! That is nuts. It is a very very good movie, and... I love both of these movies so much, and I will probably go home and watch both of them again right now because uh-huh. I love them so much. But in this moment, when you ask me, I think Princess Mononoke. And that's how it goes. We record this show live, and we go with our, our live choices. We don't think that much ahead of time. We just go. Now, Taylor used his heart. Ryan, I want you to use your brain. Oh, what does your brain tell okay, you well, that, is the movie of the year? That's, that seems pointed. I think it's uh, it's so very clearly I like Confidential. Like, Leaps and bounds. And I think one of the reasons that we haven't talked about is because at a certain point, we're going to have to start doing movies about like 1947 or 1955. And that's going to come with so many problems. Like we did It's a Wonderful Life. And that was, there was a lot to dig in there. Taylor and I kind of freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. I I hate that movie. I think it's a piece of shit. I mean, that is like a world-renowned, great movie that is like uh, very basic and for kids. And there's nothing wrong with it. And we, you guys, mostly disagreed. Uh, if a girl's in a bush and she doesn't have her clothes, give give her her clothes. Yeah, don't be like, well, Dude, I don't know, maybe I'm just gonna funnier to not. I'm just gonna maybe yeah. I don't take a little gander. What about pranks? You got to remember pranks. pranks okay, but there is an exception. Don't to forgot pranks. about well, pranks. Why do you have so many fucking kids? You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna sexually harass my childhood maid. I'm just gonna be. It'll be a joke. The kids will all laugh at it. It'll be the one person of color in the entire movie. But there is so much that we want to like about it. We wish that we liked 1940s movies. It's just hard because they're made different and they're gross. They, we got like an old school Hollywood studio like masterpiece without all of that stuff in LA Confidential. That is my pick. Yeah, maybe some of it. Maybe we got some of that stuff, but not all of this stuff. Mike, Taylor used his heart. Ryan used his head. I want you, because you're the deciding vote here now, you get to choose 1997's movie of the year. I want you to use your gut. Is that... A synonym for my courage? No, it's. I, I want you to choose oh, okay. from your gut. What my is gut your gut? Says Jackie you? Brown, but since that's no longer on the table, due to my own vote, <laughs> uh, I I think I'm. I, I agree with Taylor. I want to run home and watch both of them simultaneously to see if they line up. <laughs> I'll, I'll I, I thought you were about to pick the same movie as me. Uh, but it's I, I think one is just a little sloppier, even though it is also epic. So my vote has to go with L.A. Confidential. Okay. Well, yeah. I have to say, congratulations, Thanks. L.A. Confidential. You are 1997's movie of the year. That was a scotch closer than I thought <laughs> yeah. it was going to be. Uh, there was a moment when you were talking, Mike, where I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Same. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I love this movie so much, but I have this weird feeling that forever, like when somebody asks us, oh, what was 97? We're going to be like, I don't remember, but it was almost Princess Mononoke and it should have been Jackie Brown. <laughs> yeah. That's how we'll answer the question. Yeah, you know, I have felt so comfortable with all our choices in the past. I wonder how, how this one will do. It's probably one of three movies it could have been where yeah. I would say that stands up. That's, and it, it's just, it was it's the one that was maybe the best of the three of them. I, it's, it's the one that... The moment that I walked away from it, I had the strongest opinion of like, oh, this might be the one. Yeah, I don't think I enjoyed any movie more than I enjoyed watching this movie. And there's things that are hard and tough in it, but I just felt like, and I felt like, wow, this is a movie for us. You know? Like, LA Confidential, that's what we're talking about? Yes. Yeah, the movie okay. that won, we sh- Alex. We shot out three titles, so, okay. <laughs> but the yeah. energy suggested we were talking about LA Confidential. But that really was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. When the segment started, I mean, that's kind of what I intimated. I was like, should we just like say that we all know it's going to be LA Confidential? And again, like the way that it works is, like, if it, if it was nobody's favorite movie, like, it is when you bring four brains into it. Like, it is and, our movie, you yeah. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is this the second season in a row that we've had a studio studio ghibli movie like yes surpri- surpri- surprisingly almost take it yeah the the show has taught me that i actually like these movies quite a bit yeah and i haven't seen many of them and i haven't seen many of them recently yeah that's i i think i had seen like one maybe two before like we did this show also on this show we've done movies i think from two countries america and Japan. Yeah. And Japan is the, the only two. other country, and it's been represented by like four or five different films. I think the show uh, has taught me and Mike that like, even though we love Studio Ghibli, we have to be down on it to like fight against you two. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor and I just get, we get so enthusiastic. Yeah. If something is a drawing, I just love it. <laughs> well, there you go. 1997's movie of the year is L.A. Confidential. Remember, this is definitive, and it is canon. Well, I'm going to miss 1997, you guys. I think we had a dang old good time picking 97's movie of the year, and it was a sight harder than any of us thought it would be. That was right. It's not just like not talking about these movies anymore, but like next season, we're probably not going to mention Mouse Hunt. Yeah. You know, like, all this God stuff is just going to go away. Are we prepared to announce what is going to be next year's? I think I'm ready. Uh, let's, Ryan, you're the best friend. Your favorite movie just won. What's it going to be next year? The Hollywood Reporter is reporting that uh, I won every episode of 97 yeah. because that's when me and Greg met. So we are going to shoot into the future all the way to 2013. Wow. The year Taylor and I met. That's probably not true. But I mean, you know, we've met more <laughs> recently knows? and it's right around 2013. Yeah, so. it's, it's closer. Yeah, pretty close. It's it was close. when Greg first saw Taylor, but it would be five years before Taylor yeah. saw Greg. <laughs> I'm excited about 2013 that's going to be a great season perhaps it's the only year that could make me forget about the awesome year that was 1997 we could potentially have some mcu movies in the bracket Damn. Uh, oh, we're gonna have to come up with how we feel about wolf of wall street Ooh, oh, I'm excited. oh yeah well you know what stay tuned everybody you listen to that but before you do you guys has anybody on this way on, on this podcast ever been on the web on the internet there? Oh, I've been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, name one website if you could that you go to. Um, just one at random for my mind brain. Uh, rolling it up. Uh, yourpopfilter.com. Great my favorite choice. website. 
Great Very choice. good website. You find all kinds of stuff on there. Go on there. It's a lot of good content. You ever do Amazon? I do, yeah. yeah but I don't do it the regular way. Mm-hmm. I um, I actually go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Uh-huh. And that's a way that I just like, you know, shop for all my stuff that I need. I consider that the regular way now. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. If you do it enough, it just becomes second nature. So you guys should check it out. It helps us out a little bit, but that's, you know, whatever. We have more podcasts. I know what you're thinking. Man, I just listened to a great podcast. What? But it's. I'm sorry that it's over. I would like some more. Well, you could check out Superhero Hour Hour. That's where you, Taylor, if I'm not mistaken, host a show, and you guys talk about all comic book and comic book properties. Yeah, and some of them are good, and some of them are quite good. <laughs> Is that one weird to talk about, Greg? Because we fired you from that show. Dude, you know what? I'm over it. You're okay now. Yeah. You know what? I feel great. I haven't even given it a second thought. Woo. You know what? I. No worries here. And then, of course, there's the OCD. Uh, that's where Mike and Ryan talk about every episode of the OC. And you guys are deep into it. Right? Yes. Yeah, like, you yeah. are well on your way. I think uh, we're about to record oh, episode boy. 75. Damn. Yeah. Damn. That's, you know what? That's too many episodes. <laughs> no, no show should have that many episodes. I'll delete some of them then. Social media. What is it? I don't know. Go to Twitter and check us out at your pop filter or go to Instagram and check us out at your pop filter. Are we influencers? Yeah. Well, yeah, bit. we are. Uh, but if you're not going to do that and you want to send out an email instead, contact at your Dang. What a great way to send some letters to us. Not a winning movie contact, but a winning email. A contact winning email. Yeah, dude. Our email of the year. If you instead want to use a phone, perhaps a cellular phone, then dial one five six two Doctor DJ Pop. That's one five six two Doctor DJ Pop. He plays all your favorite songs, and his hand is a bong. What's his other hand, Ryan? A second bong. A second bong. He's a double barrel bong boy. Well, that's ninety seven, everybody. Stay tuned for two thousand and thirteen. But you know what? Until you do, keep watching them movies. Watch the movie section.